Mahmoud's Family from Peasant Tales of Russia by Vasily Nemirovich Danchenko. Translated by Claude Field. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kevin Davidson. Part 1. Mahmoud. A fusillade of musketry fire had just broken out between the Russian and Turkish advance posts. The fog was so dense that the confused masses of the Balkan mountains could hardly be distinguished. They seemed more like clouds which had descended on the earth to pass the night there. A red light showed through the fog from a distance. Perhaps it was a Turkish bivouac fire, or the conflagration of some lonely farm. The Cossacks turned their piercing eyes in this direction but in vain, for it was absolutely impossible to make out what it was in such dense gloom. It was the Turks who had begun firing. The Russians were content with merely replying. Neither side was visible to the other, but they fired, fearing lest, owing to the denseness of the fog, the enemy might approach close to them without being seen. On such occasions one fires involuntarily. It is a kind of mutual warning. I am not asleep. You understand? Take care. The sounds of firing died away in the damp and heavy atmosphere. Slowly the night fell, gradually blotting out from view the field of battle, and the corpses still lying on the snow. Everything was silent, only a groan from a wounded man, or the death-rattle of a horse was audible from time to time. But that was all, and the soldiers— exhausted by marching during the day and fighting in the evening, had not sufficient energy left to think of carrying away the bodies of their comrades. They wished for nothing but a night of rest and sleep. "'Not very cheerful for us, the night of the new year, eh, Major?' said the Colonel. A short, stout man, addressing a tall, thin one, who had his arm in a sling. The two were sitting on the balcony of a Turkish house. "'No, it isn't. And no letters from home, either.' "'That is the least of my anxieties. I know our military post too well.' "'Ah, how gladly one would see those one loves were it only for a single moment. But to spend Christmas in the Shipka Pass and the New Year here, Sapristi, there is no fun in that. In our house the Christmas tree is lighted and the children are running round it. Your wife and children are sure to be with mine, and they will be talking of us. Probably they are anxious because of our silence, as if we could write. We who only rush on like madmen at the risk of breaking our heads. By the way, how is your arm? Not very grand, you know. Well, make use of it. To do what? To go away, apply for leave for health's sake. You ought not to say so to me. Why? Because we are already short of officers, as you know very well. In my battalion there are sub-lieutenants commanding whole companies. Moreover, you and I are not in the habit of separating. We will return home together, that is all. Don't let us talk about it any more. It was now quite dark, and the horizon was hidden. Here and there the darkness was pierced by the luminous points of some windows in the village which were still lit up. 
Suddenly there appeared in the street the red moving flame of torch, and in the circle of light formed by it a red face wearing a pair of moustaches. At moments there also came to view, in the same luminous circle, a horse's head with its ears erect. Pantelyev, cried the colonel in the direction of the torch. The torch entered into the courtyard, and soon the horse stood before the officers, snorting and scraping the hard snow with its hoofs. The Cossack, who was riding it, reversed his torch, and clouds of black smoke rising heavily surrounded his arm. "'Where are you going like that?' "'To the advance post, Colonel.' "'Why?' "'The firing has begun again.' "'Go and tell them that if it is nothing unusual it is useless to reply. When the Turks are tired of throwing away ammunition they will stop of themselves.' Several soldiers entered the courtyard, stamping heavily. Pantelyev lifted his torch, and it was seen that they had someone in their midst. "'March on! March on, shaven pate! There is no chance of getting any rest with you fellows about. May the devil take you!' The soldiers said, grumbling. It was evidence they were not yet aware of the officer's presence. "'Well, well, must we encourage you with a butt-end?' "'What is it, my children?' said the colonel, rising. "'We are bringing a Turk, colonel. We met him by chance, picked him up under a bush.' "'Under a bush? How?' "'He was crouched down like a quail. Lieutenant Vasilyev told us to take him alive and to bring him to you, colonel. His name is Mahmoud.' "'Give us a light, Pantelyev.' The Cossack held his torch near the group, and the red light showed distinctly a face— with a large nose and straggling gray moustaches. His nose had a lump in the middle. The reddish scar of a recent wound was visible on the forehead, surmounted by a turban formed of a piece of dirty cloth snatched from some old tent. Mahmoud also wore a yellow cloak made of camel skin. "'Stop! Stop! He is an officer,' said the colonel, turning towards his friend." The major looked at the Turk attentively. Yes, and he is an old acquaintance. Don't you recognize him? That scar to begin with. And I am sure he has two fingers missing from his left hand. Show us his left hand. The soldier who was standing next to Mahmoud took hold of his hand and held it up. Yes, it's Mahmoud Bey, a Turkish colonel, prisoner and runaway. His account is settled. The general will probably have him shot. It depends on the mood he is in. It is a pity. Bring him here, my children. One of you stay with us. The rest go as quickly as possible. Mahmoud Bey was brought into the room next to the balcony. A soldier armed with a musket stationed himself on the threshold. The prisoner was almost a giant, thick-set and broad shoulders. He appeared to be over fifty. His eyes had a melancholy expression under their bristling gray eyebrows. His ragged mustache, also gray, was constantly twitching. His feet were bound round with rags. His cloak was torn and had a blood stain on one shoulder. What is this blood? Krilov tickled him up a little with his bayonet behind the bush, Colonel. Why? Because, Colonel, it was in vain that we called to him in good Russian— "'Come out, shaven pate!' He did not listen to us, but only waved his hands. Krilov was annoyed and pricked him a little. Then he left his bush. 
To tell the truth, we wanted to finish him on the spot, but Lieutenant Vasilev told us to bring him here. Semyon, give him a chair. The prisoner sat down. After placing his hand on his heart, his mouth and head successively, his expression was still melancholy. He evidently did not expect anything pleasant from his new masters. His large nose drooped over his ragged moustaches. His head was sunk between his shoulders. End of part one. Recording by Kevin Davidson. www.blogordie.com.